Hola, hola, everyone. Welcome back. It's another episode of Sesame Corazón. It's your host, Ayana. I am joined by an exciting guest, a fellow podcaster, Black Latina, all the things. Joey, can you introduce yourself, please? Yes. Hi. Hi. Hello, everyone. I am Joby D or Joey Daniels, and I am a podcaster about five years ago. And my trade is in broadcasting. So I have a hashtag that says from broadcast to podcast. (laughs) I've been there um, in the industry of television for quite a while. And um, my storyline is um, in the period of five years, I was laid off five, three times. And that was kind of in the middle of the whole social media boom and figuring out your skills, your worthiness. And that's how I landed into podcasting and meeting great people like you, Ayana. Yay. I'm so excited. I mean, I don't, I mean, it's great that we get an episode, but I'm just happy to (laughs) meet you and just to like have each other. I think as friends now, just because it's always wonderful. You know, I think it feels lonely sometimes, especially as Afro Latinas is that I, number one, we either don't agree on how we identify or we don't know each other or we can't find each other. You and I are hundreds and thousands of miles apart, but we're on the same screen we're having the conversation and that's that's the best part so i appreciate you being here thank you thank you yeah Uh, okay so you know by now that this is a mental health podcast and that's really what i want to focus on for our conversation obviously there's so many other things that impact us but i want the people to know who jovi d is how did you experience your mental health journey what was like that what was that for wow i can't even talk today what was that like for you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> navigating your mental health journey? Well, um, that's a great question because the thing is that, you know, if we really go into deep um, in the culture of Latinos, I, we don't talk about um, mental health. You know, your family is like, ¿Qué te pasa? And mm-hmm. reza. So, you know, I was brought oh my <laughs> former Catholic and ta- habla con Dios. And it's like, it, especially, I think for all most um, passage of life or right of life. So my first experience with mental health was when I was in college, that something was like the, the whole adulting part of learning and knowing yourself and what to do, because it was like, you know, you have all these pressures, like, okay, you need to study this. You need to become this. You need to earn this and make this. Mm. And oh my goodness. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, can I digest? And to the fact that I was like, you know, Oye, mano, déjame respirar, just for a second. <laughs> yes, yes. It's like, and then um, if you know anything about me, I'm Panamanian. I was born in Panama, but then I, I landed in Miami. Miami is my hometown. And shout out to Miami. Shout out to Miami, 305, 305. Yes. So landing there is it's a whole culture itself. Mm-hmm. And just figuring it out. Um, I bless, I love my grandmother. She's the one that raised me along with my aunt. And then my mom, we have that story that my mom, you know, left the country very young to come and, you know, make herself and work and support us and so on. That immigration narrative story to, to figure it out. So I finally seek 
help. Thank God of the resources that were available in the university and college. You know, thank God for those freshman orientation classes that tell you, Mm -hmm. hey, tap on these resources. We're here to help you. And that's how I sat down with a counselor and kind of like, you know, speak up of how I was feeling. If I was feeling stranded, I felt that I was not fitting or doing the college life mm-hmm. expectation because then I was not even, I was off campus. So, and my story is I had to work and go to school. So that was a different dynamic for everybody else. Most, you know, for some other, some other students. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you reminded me, you're giving me flashbacks <laughs> of, of literally my same experience because when I, when I first went off to college, I was on scholarship. I had yeah. work study and I enlisted in the army at that time and, and found several other side hustles. So I was working a couple jobs, um, start right off the bat, uh, going to college. And it is a little bit of a shock because I think we have that unique dynamic, especially as immigrant children that, we already feel a certain level of adulthood, but no one really taught us how to navigate like regular adulthood. <laughs> you're, so yeah. you're trying to figure it out all at the same time. And you're feeling like, wow, I thought I had my shit together. And then you're like, oh, wait, no, I have so much more to learn. And it's overwhelming. Um, and that can be hard. I don't know for you, but when I went off to college, it was really a time where like I isolated, I wasn't as close to my family. Right. I don't know that they really understood my experiences. Mm. Um, and it was hard to talk about it. Right. And then you going away, right. Like, well, I went away, uh, for college and there's the literally physical distance between you and your family to, to be able to go through that experience. Well, let me highlight that. Actually, I was offered the opportunity to go away, but mm. I was so, you know, I don't know, it's my spirit personality that I like stability. I don't know if it's the Capricorn in me <laughs> or what it is. But then it's like after being in so such a place, I like stability. So yeah. I was offered that opportunity, but I was just like mentally, I didn't want it to shake it up. I'm like, no, I, I don't want to go anywhere. I, mm-hmm. I want to stay put. I'm like, it was just so many transitions that I was going through in such a short period of time that I was like, eh, yeah, I'm going to stick around. <laughs> Obviously, only only to later, exactly, only to later, further, further in my career, I was like, okay, you know, you tap, but I will talk about that later in the conversation. (laughs) That's so funny. No, I'm with you and I'm a Leo, so I think it's got to do something with la cultura, right? Like we we want stability and we want to make sure that we're getting taken care of. (laughs) Because me too. When something changes, I'm like, espérate, I didn't. I wasn't looking for this. <laughs> I know. It's like, wait a moment. like. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk a little bit more about family. Um, you've already talked a little bit about your immigration story and stuff like that. And I think it's really important for us to highlight this because this is BIPOC Mental Health Awareness Month when this airs. For anyone who doesn't know what BIPOC is, it's Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. Um, you know, our mental health is impacted by a, by a lot of different factors. Um, And I think our family history is one of them. And I find it really, really interesting. So can you tell me a little bit about what, what made you dig into your family history so deeply? Like you've, you're going to like websites and finding legal documents. Like what? Tell me about that. (laughs) 
Well, the premise was definitely Ayana in um, British or English um, heritage, you know, herencia. So because my my maternal grandmother is from San Andres, Colombia, but then you know, but then we know that it was part of Gran Colombia, and I, and then only to learn that my grandfather or my yeah my my grandfather mother. She was born in Jamaica, but by the time she was born in Jamaica, Jamaica was a British colony also as well. And I was like, oh, my God, I mm -hmm. need to find out about this because I was seeing these opportunities. I was supposed to or wanted to do my master's actually in the UK, mm. in London. And I and I know for a fact that I have family and in, in London, in UK. So, and I was digging And it was just insightful to kind of put some of the stories together and also to the fact because I I was living in Miami and I heard a lot of Cubans, most Cubans, that they were getting their paperwork or they if they claim, you know, the colonies or that if you have a grandparent or great grandparent from mm -hmm. any of these countries, you can claim citizenship and so on. So that's how I learned que los cubanos eh, reclamaban su herencia española y se iban a España. And that's how they will go around. So, but it, it applies for a lot of other um, co uh, colonies as well. Speaking of family history, I've been digging in a little bit too. One of my uh, uncles or distant cousins or lo que sea, primo hermano, <laughs> on my father's side, did the ancestry um, results as well for that side of the family. And nosotros tenemos like... Italian and I think Japanese on that side of wow. the family, which is very interesting, right? So very. I did I did my 23 and me uh DNA results and I am half colonizer, half African. So clearly like history is, you know, in my blood. Um, but it's so interesting because I have Spanish, Portuguese, um, Italian, and then West African. So I'm literally, it's like almost exactly half and half. Um I'm not, I don't even have like the indigenous Taino in me. It's, it's, yeah, it's insane because my family actually immigrated to DR, um, mm -hmm, which is really wow. interesting. Um, so they're not native to DR. They immigrated um, from overseas or involuntary, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, Chances are. Right. Um, Chances are somewhere along the line, someone was enslaved and here we are you know, hundreds of years later. Um, but I just found it so, so interesting because I felt like I knew myself a little bit more, right? Like I, as an Afro-Latina, I always questioned, mm, I'm not black enough for the black community, right? It, in the context of the of the United States, that, that can be difficult. Right. Or I'm not Latina enough for the Latinos here in, in the U.S. Um, so I just find it really interesting that you just like went out on your own. I was like, you know what? I'm going to figure this shit out and I'm going to be me regardless of what the standards are here. Um, and I love that because I think it's really empowering. Well, the thing is also like, you know, as we have learned through many events, may that be 9-11, may that be um, 2008, the crash with the real estate. So mm -hmm. at one point you start looking around and then say, okay, this is a survival mode, sink and swim. And I really believe even to today, fast forward 2023, um, there's something that you have to be become a global citizen. 
you gotta mm-hmm. like make sure that you jump wherever you gotta go and take advantage take advantage yeah. of our heritage and you know god forbid you can just go ahead and it, your survival your you know your well-being that's that's what matters yeah oh yeah 1000 and i've had you know folks on this podcast even you know reclaiming some of the land that we've lost right for like example yes. in dr you know estaban avanzando la raza right and blancamiento is you know prominent in latin america oh and God. the caribbean and so now afro latinos you know of our generation and and you know you know, modern day mezcla, right? We're like, yeah. we're going to go back and claim the land that our ancestors used to own. Correct, right? correct. Um, you know, so like mommy and papi me pueden clamar, you know, in DR and I can also make myself a global citizen too. I'm going back to my homeland to be able to like get the land and keep it in the family and invest or whatever, right? And 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 claiming just a little piece of of what's ours. Um which I think is really, really great, which not a lot of people think about, but it is one way of, you know, changing the system and changing how things work, right? We don't have to be stuck in this one specific box. Like this, just because our parents came here, it's not the end all be all, right? There's other No, options. no. And don't even get me started. My great-grandmother, well, the the one that I told you maternal, my, my grandmother's mother, she yeah. had a lot of land in San Andres. They end up selling it, well, you know, for circumstances to um, hotel developments, I think mm-hmm. even part of the airport. But the funny part, they would tell me, oh, my grandmother will say, if you go to San Andres, do not hook up with anybody. Everybody's family. <laughs> do not hook up with anyone. <laughs> if you hear, so even funny. that's what she's like, do not. And I'm like, okay. okay. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. You know, that's not the first time that this comes up on this podcast. I mean, in DR, right? Like if you've got a certain last name, d- like stay, stay away because you're probably second and third cousins. <laughs> that's so funny. It just feels like, you know, we're everywhere and all over the place. And yes. now that we're spread out even more, you got to be even more careful, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Because we heard the stories by the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. okay. Gotcha. It's so funny that that works perfectly into my next question. Like, how has your family immigration history impacted your healing journey? Right. Like you you are on this journey. Your grandparents, all all of them are all over the place, right from different places. And like, how how did knowing or learning that information impact the way that, you know, you identify or the way that you've adjusted, you know, in Miami versus L.A. and all this other stuff? Yes, that's correct, Ayana. Um, saying that, as I say, from Panama to Miami and then from Miami to L.A. But I want to go back a little bit because I want to definitely be clear that um, there's a privilege. I'm a byproduct of the inheritance of the West Indians, may that be Jamaica, Grenada, and kids. Um, when the um, when the Americans took over the the completion of the canal, because as we understand, the French started it, but then other things happened. So anyways, with that being said, my family became recipients. So through our elders that were working in the railroad and the canal, you know, um, the United States offer an opportunity, a residency and so on to, to their workers. 
So by the time I was a kid, I already had an alien card. I was a kid and so on. So that's kind of how my family started migrating late. I want to say late 60s, early 70s, somewhere mm -hmm. around there. And and I find humble and in that sense when I look back and I remember my mom tenía una maleta and she would buy mm. a lot of clothes in the United States and she would send it to me. But then the funny part is like, I was so conscious that there were times that I was like, I'm not going to wear that clothes because people are going to know or my friends are going to notice that, you mm. know. Dig deep a little bit on that one because that one's real. Yes, that 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 impacts your subconscious, the way that you navigate things, even if you yeah. don't realize it. I'm sure you realize it now, like right. years later. Yeah. But as a kid, as a kid, as a kid, understanding, OK, mommy bought me these clothes or brought me these clothes in this maleta, but it's different. Right. It stands yes. out in a particular environment that yes. that. I'm I'm almost willing to bet has impacted the way you show up you know, in corporate spaces and in the world as an adult. Right. Right. Ooh. Right. Because it's, it's like, I would tell my grandmother, then I was like, um, because when my mom would be visiting, I would be sort of wearing the clothes, but the moment that my mom would, would leave, pobrecita, mm -hmm. I would tell my grandmother, I'm like, let's go to La Central. Let's go to downtown Panama and buy me some other clothes because I just really was conscious that I didn't, I didn't want my friends to feel bad, but they, mm -hmm. they could tell because they know what are you wearing, you know, and it's like as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God. And thank God I will say that I had uniforms, but then again, you know, people know kids know. Yeah. Oh yeah. One thousand percent. And it's, you know, it's incredible how much we pick up on even at a young age. Um, you know, even you know, mama, let's say like my sister, my cuñada is, is Mexican and wearing like traditional garments here in the United States is como, you know, taboo. Yeah. You can tell, right. Like yeah, yeah. nowadays it's like, who gives a shit? Like wear your traditional garments. It's beautiful. You know, like you're celebrating your culture, but when you're navigating different systems and like, depending on what other people think about you, you suppress that. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I've told a lot of people that my mental health journey is actually aligned very closely to finding who I am in terms of like how I identify and how, like who I am, my ancestry and my background. And a lot of that is like, you know what? So yo quiero ponerme el afro, I'm going to wear my afro. If I'm going to do my twist, I'm going to do that. Right. Like I don't have to be ashamed anymore, but I think that's really relevant. I mean, I've, you know, I've told people a lot that I usually talk to my son about everything, whether that's our black culture or, you know, the mm -hmm. traditions that we have in DR, mm -hmm. but que no tenga vergüenza, you know, when he talks about it with his friends or if, you know, we cook traditional food or lo que sea, right? Like it, it impacts you. Exactly. It really does. And, you know, so that's kind of part of the, 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 the moment that you become conscious about certain things and the assumptions that everybody gets on a plane or even fast forward, I'm telling my young people, I'm like, the best thing that you can do, like we actually spoke a, a while ago, is to have a passport, get and mm -hmm. explore the world, get out there. And it's never too late. You know, see how other people foster their own sense of happiness, the you mm -hmm. know, and comfort. Yeah, 1000%. Speaking of venturing out, 
the diaspora, like you said, is very different. So I want to talk about a little bit about your transition between Miami and LA. Okay. Because let's be real. South Florida is a country of its own. <laughs> Dade County. Was, Dade County is uh, on its own. It's 1000%. <laughs> I wasn't in Dade County, but I grew up a lot. I'm a, I'm a distant cousin, 561 um, oh, of South I'm Florida. Oh, Palm Beach. Okay. Yes. And it is very different. Oh, it is. Than your experience in LA. Let's talk about it because I think a lot of the the division in the Latino community can be seen clearly in you know the difference between Miami and LA. Yes, two coastal cities, but completely different, completely mm-hmm. different. And um, it may be factors that it has to do with education for sure, social mm-hmm. economics. Um, setting you know, let's say status and classism to a certain level. The yeah. people that arrive to Florida, you know, based on what people have explained to me here living in LA, is it's a different status, and maybe they're more worldly in that sense. I mm-hmm. I say sometimes I take and my in my talks I said when I'm in Miami, people come up to me and say, oh. De donde tú eres? Tú eres Venezuela o eres cubana o, you know. And then when I come to LA, they're like, ¿y por qué tú hablas español también? Uh. <laughs> ¿Cómo lo aprendiste? Ay, me duele. Mm. That's how I resume. And, but also, I have to be grateful because it's not that I knew that I presented black. What happens is that when you come to the United States, they say everybody that is black, they go here. Everybody mm-hmm. that is white goes here. They're not asking you where you're coming from. They're just like that. And everybody yeah. else, other falls here. So mm-hmm. you fall into these boxes and these labels. But I want to say that I was embraced. I felt embraced by the African-American culture. Mm-hmm. by the people and also i'm conscious enough today that everything that i have been able to achieve has been because of the civil rights movement mm-hmm. even though mm-hmm. my family may not i was never but i'm conscious enough to learn and understand that hey this this privilege that you are achieving these jobs that you're getting and obtaining is because of the african-american Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to sit here for a little bit because this is the way that race relations shows up very differently depending on where your family's coming from. You know, here in the United States, like you said, it's very clear. It's your one or the other or other, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in Latin America or, you know, the Caribbean, even in the rest of the world, it's more so like classism and social status right and there's a lot of I've been doing a lot of research in terms of like blancamiento in terms of like mejorando yeah. la raza right yeah you yeah. mestizaje like you mix the mixed people so that it doesn't look or appear that you have as many dark people right that's that's the way that Latin America has handled it and so para nosotros like our parents especially that wasn't an issue it was masked as oh nosotros trabajamos no tenemos mucho right we stick to ourselves and we are in a specific community pero cuando venimos aquí it's a it's almost like a it's almost like a shock right because there's another added layer of 
well, this country is labeling me as this, or like there's a specific history here. Uh, and I think that adds like a very complicated layer of trying to figure it out, right? Like my parents never talked to me about, oh, nosotros somos, you know, we're black and, you know, this is mm -hmm. how we, life is, right? I never had that talk. I had to no. like realize that, like we talked about earlier when I went to college and I realized I looked very different than some <laughs> of my, than some of my peers. Um, and so I think it's, I think it's important. It's a, it's a very interesting dynamic to like dive into, um, you know, in Miami, you kind of just blend in, right? You, they just ask you where you're from. Like you said, LA, you're like, hmm, you speak Spanish from where? How? How? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that was the shocker, and and I was like, and the thing is that you look, that's the, the shocker is that you look at other people, that their appearance relates to what you see, but their mentality, their perception is totally different the way that mm. they see you. Yeah, talk about that. That's an interesting one. Yeah, it's just, I'm looking at you. And then I had to even learn to myself, like Miami primarily, aside of the, the culture from Bahamian, but, you know, Cubans have taken over and the whole sense of the makeup of what Miami is. Mm -hmm. and, and and let's say the truth. Um, Everybody has... Uh, a scale or, or, you know, it starts like that. It, and then, and then from there, the culture kind of rolls itself in LA is black, white, or Mexican. Mm -hmm. Whoever speaks Spanish, you're Mexican, <laughs> regardless if they ask yes. you later on. But like, then, do you know how many countries are in Latin America and people who speak right. Spanish? Come on, come on. Right. <laughs> so, and then I had to learn also that what happens here, which is I've heard the story over and over again, is that their members, their family, their grandparents really no querían que they wanted to for them to learn Spanish at all. They wanted to blend in and be as American as possible. So even though I'm not leaving, but, but if you have an, a, a Spanish last name and they will tell you, listen, they don't speak not a word of Spanish. They they see life in a certain different kind of color or and it's you know landscape. It's really hard. It's really hard because when I look at you, you present in a certain way, but what's coming out of your mouth is totally different. Mm -hmm. I think it's just a lesson of not let's not even assume, right? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And that was very difficult to me because I was like, but in my mind, I'm like, but you look Latino. Why are you like? And then I had mm -hmm. to understand that this is like fifth, sixth generations that are completely, you know. Yeah. Um, sometimes they, some of them feel embarrassed. Some mm -hmm. of them are like, I have to learn my Spanish. I'm like, well, I don't not, I'm not here to tell you how Latino you are, or how Hispanic you are. You know, that's 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 a personal thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Y la conexión se ve muy diferente, right? Like to me, right. it could be language and, and food and all this other stuff. But for others, right. it's family and traditions. Yes. And, yes. you know, it may not present, you know, typical, uh, the stereotype that we that we always think about, right? Mm-hmm. Uy, uy, uy. Hablando de presenting and people assuming, 
it's also prevalent in other communities assuming about us, right? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah, Racism, you- discrimination, <laughs> all that. Because right now. <laughs> right now, yeah, because, you know, you know, you're hearing me. I have an accent. So but if I don't speak the moment that you look at me, the moment that you even see my name, there's nothing there that tells you Esta es Latina mm-hmm. until I say something or I pronounce something. And then they're like, but you speak very Caribbean or something like that. By the time they figure out where. I'm actually from actually, well, my middle name, is, you know, then it's a Spanish, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's a Walkiria. But, oh, but by the time yeah. you see Giovanni Daniels, you're like, no clue, no yeah. clue whatsoever. Yeah. Oof. I've had so <laughs> many experiences. I, I, I need to know, like, how is that showing up for you? Right. Like how have people use your identity or the way that you present you know, against you, right? Like it's the microaggressions and the people who are trying to pick at who you are and, you know, try to, try to make you look different than, 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 you know, who you really are. Like, how has that been for you? Cause I could go on and on with stories. <laughs> no, and I know that you have a couple of stories. Ayanna. Um, yeah. well, when I came to LA and I, I came to, because I was seeking for this opportunity to be, in my mind, a supervisor, a manager, you know, grow into your career. So I was definitely, um, not definitely, I was, I had the opportunity to deploy that and and unpack that that part of me. But in that sequence, when I was offered to work and then have people under me, they were not the most receptive and I maybe was very naive because I was like oh my god I'm gonna have this opportunity boo, boo, boo. is this gonna happen but what I was not ready for it was the uproar of like wow you have an issue not only with the fact that I have an accent is that am I also a black person a black person and then also on top of it I have an accent and I was like what in the world and then Facts to be said mentally, um, like I said, we talk about this mentally. I was not in a really also in a good relationship romantically, and that was tearing me apart. Mm. There was a lot of things going on and family wise, it was a turmoil. If anybody <laughs> that goes for the book in 2013, if somebody ever asked me about 2013, it was it was the greatest year, but it was just also, oh, my God a very striving year mentally, mentally. Mm-hmm. And the fact that even though I have lived on my own, it's one thing you live in on your own and still having family close by, like you mentioned with your college experience. But one thing is also being on your own in another city, far from your family. And then that you really kind of prove yourself that you have the core, that you have the grit to stand for yourself. And that was that was that, that's the opportunity that happened to me that I was like, either I make it or I make it. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. there's no if here. There's nothing yeah. possible. And if I had to let go of what was going on to with myself personally, I had to. I had to really stand up and like you say, really leave your problems out at the other side of the door and then really concentrate and stand up 
but it was difficult. It was difficult. The tone, it was mm -hmm. difficult. The approach. Um, I understand that also the premise where I arrive. Um, you know, companies operate in different ways and sometimes it doesn't have nothing to do with you. They say, this is what we need. This is where we're going to place you at. And then you deal with the rest. And this is the results that we want. Boom. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it. You know? Yep. Yeah. Oh, you know, <laughs> it came out of my head thinking in all because people really, you know, it some yes, yeah, sometimes it is like just a business need, but other times it is it is people who don't necessarily educate themselves on who they're talking to, mm -hmm. and it can have such negative impacts on, you know, how you navigate the world and you know we spend a lot of time at work we spend the majority of our time <laughs> and we spend the majority of their time at work and then to on top of that be treated poorly just because okay because of my identity for what right it i i always you know i know this now that the bias and the racism and the discrimination says more about the other person than it says about you exactly but, But when you experience it over and over again, you start to question yourself, right? You question your identity, you question your skills, you question your ability on to be able to move up in the world and all this other stuff. You know, I can, you know, tell plenty of stories of like, and somebody walks by me and was like, oh, Kelly, my married last name. Yeah. Kelly, you speak Spanish? And I'm like, do you not? I know you heard me. <laughs> <laughs> no you heard me it's a prime example of people just assuming because I look a certain way or because of my married last name that you know I don't speak Spanish or that I'm not of a specific descent I'm like the other thing <laughs> yeah the other thing is being used as a token oh right? yeah Ooh. oh oh Let's only highlight Ayana during a specific time of the year or for a specific event because we want to make sure that people know that we're doing this work or whatever. Señores, I'm a person and a human being all year round, right? I have goals. I have aspirations and things that I want to get done too. It's not just because of, you know, who I represent, right? Ugh. I could go on and on. Uh, you know, it's hard. It's and hard and the thing is that you 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 sense it, you feel it. Sometimes when you walk into that room and you're like, oh, that's the mm -hmm. reason that's why I'm here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people who like don't identify, you know, people of color or BIPOC, like are completely oblivious to that. They don't, they don't understand that experience. And it's hard to explain it. Um, because it's just one of those things that you you get it right away right as a black latina when i walk in the room and i'm the only one it's clear that i'm only here for a specific reason right um and then when you start using that platform and you start speaking up and start pushing back on certain things oh i know like, wait you're doing too much we we weren't ready for that that was that's not what we do here <laughs> or you always complaining why are you complaining so much yes i like are you like, over here You brought me here to do something and I'm doing it. And I'm matter of fact, I'm doing it three times as good as you thought I was going to do it. And now you're being upset. Which one is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, we can just talk so much. Yeah. yeah, it's it's tough and it weighs on you, right? I mean, it weighs you know, on you mentally. That's why I, I think so much now that they're talking about this narrative on and and really 
giving women, black women, the scope of don't don't try to say that we're strong because like I think in the words and I'm maybe paraphrasing here of Kiki Palmer that just because you say that we're strong and I, I mean, we're pretty in personality. I don't even like it. It's like that. Okay. That we can going to take anything, whatever you throw at us and we're going to be, you know, we should be fine with it. No, mm-hmm. it's like, come on. It's like, we're human beings and we have feelings. And, like, and now I like that narrative that's coming through. I was like, protect black women. Of course mm-hmm. I have yeah. found myself in situations where just, you just walking and tripping and no one, Ayana, no one either. Very rarely the occasions that you find a kind, um, kindness or empathy for somebody like to say, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is everything yeah. fine with you? Yeah, it's hard. Everyday interactions, small things, and then big things. Mm-hmm. It all just kind of accumulates. And I think, you know, I think that's why... I love the space because we're normalizing like, okay, we have these experiences too. Like our mental health is going to take, you know, a toll and we've got to take care of ourselves. We have to be able to have these conversations that acknowledge it instead of ignoring it and putting it to the side and pretend that it doesn't, that it doesn't exist. Right. Our parents had to pretend it didn't exist, but we have a certain privilege now where we can, we can talk about it. We can, we can heal some of this stuff exactly healing that's the question because how much is they went through you know it, it's just the assimilation the mm-hmm. you know accepting you know being somebody that maybe they were not and it's just you know when you look back at them you really have to have like some kind of understanding what they went through yeah. um and by the way i have a little story because my grandmother in order actually to finalize some of our paperwork when we become um when we started coming to the united states she had to take a job at a hospital cleaning floors Mm. you know those are the stories and she had to put in a couple of time in that to make sure that she could bring her bring us to the united states you know and sacrificio yeah mucho sacrificio yeah we don't have to we don't have to sacrifice as much today though I like, I think, you know, it's okay to recognize like, Hey, my sacrifice is going to look different and, you know, I can make space to heal for me and for my family and for the people that I love, you know, that's beautiful. And that's the the podcast for me, how it started because, and as I said, because of LA and all the, you know, the experiences, that's the birth of that space for me to like. It started as an audio journal, but it was like once I was speaking and sharing my story, it was just amazing how many other women and men and non-binary felt the same way. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, I love that. Speaking of podcasts, tell people <laughs> where they can find your podcast and what you're working on. OK, I am my podcast. You can find me um, always active on Instagram at chumbita i'm gonna say c-h-o-m-b-i-t-a underscore chronicle c-h-r-o-n-i-c-l-e-s also mostly in, across social media as joby d-y-o-v-y and the letter d is in delta Oh, Daniels. <laughs> I love it. And I will put everything in the show notes, yeah. by the way. So don't feel like you got to pause and know how to spell. 
<laughs> I know. And um, I'm always, as I say, super active on um, on Instagram. You can find me sporadically on Twitter and working on TikTok. I'm currently doing a, a couple of great um, speaking engagements, which I love it because, Yay. you know, we have to just keep on spreading the word. The community is definitely growing, which I am excited. I am very excited. You know, you're getting more voices out there, mm-hmm. more representation more authenticity but also reality of what we're going through and um I like that right now I think by the time you guys hear this podcast um we're coming through and I'm coming with season number five the Chombita Chronicles I can't wait (laughs) I know and um and I'm Joby D show is the first podcast that I created for entrepreneurs because from creating my my mentality from employee to entrepreneur, I still it's an ongoing platform. So that's that's what's going on with me. Yes. I love this for you, for us, for the community. <laughs> I love it. Joby, I just thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I'm so glad that, you know, reach you reached out and, you know, we were just able to connect. You know, some amiga ya, ya somos comadres. So <laughs> I want to do the highlight that she actually, I, I heard your podcast in Quien Tu Eres with Pavel and you were amazing. <laughs> Shout out to Pavel doing Shout out things. to Pavel doing amazing things for the culture, for the, for our our spaces where you know the system making is taken and also equity very yes. important yeah love that love that bueno joey thank you so much <laughs> i appreciate you muchas gracias uh to everyone listening uh feel free to like subscribe share tell your friends have the conversation don't let it end here you know let us know what you think all right see you on the next one <laughs>